What you're hearing is New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio on Groundhog Day. Uh, he's at the Staten Island Zoo picking up a groundhog and then, right here, dropping it. Uh, this is ultimately pretty horrible. Everybody thought it was funny at the time. Turns out the, the groundhog did not survive this incident. Surely there are better ways to predict how bad the weather is going to be that doesn't involve hurting animals. Yeah, if you don't want to use, you know, the science of meteorology, you want something folksy, but you still want to know how bad it's going to be. On the line with us now is Peter Geiger from the Farmer's Almanac. So, Peter, are there other ways we can forecast the weather, uh, you know, without hurting animals? Oh, absolutely. I think the most popular one is the, is the woolly bear caterpillar. It's, it's, if there's a narrow orange band in the middle of the woolly bear caterpillar, it warns of heavy snow, and if it's fat and fuzzy, it, the caterpillar it means bitter cold weather. So that one everybody can find, and it has to do with the, the orange band in the middle of the, of the caterpillar, but that's something that people follow. I get a lot of information or, or questions about acorns, how many acorns are dropping, how fast they're dropping, how, how fast the uh, squirrels are scurrying around. If, it's, if, if, it's, if there's a lot of activity and if it's earlier than usual, then that means a long winter. If there are numerous fogs during the month of August, it means a, a rough winter. Oh, no. The uh, share, uh, woodpecker sharing a tree, thicker than normal corn husks, uh, early departure of geese and ducks. Wait, you said uh, woodpeckers sharing a tree? I guess they don't like to share a tree in... in Normal times, but so if they're pecking they are, the same if are, tree, if they are, you know something bad's going to happen after oh. that. Okay, so those all seem like great alternatives. No groundhogs are going to get hurt. Uh, yes, it is the yes, it's the alternative. And then the other, there's a couple of others are spiders spinning larger than usual webs or entering the house in great numbers is another sign of a hard winter. Insects marching a beeline rather than meandering around is another one. And the early seclusion of bees within the hive is also a yet another one. So there's well, wait, what what insects march in in any line uh, other than ants? <laughs> I, w- I was going to answer the question as ants. I don't know what okay. insects <laughs> march, <laughs> but if you see other insects marching in a line, then you know you're in big trouble. Yeah, I mean a lot of these things that you mentioned, like uh, you know spiders coming inside mm-hmm. the caterpillar, you know, mm-hmm. be, yep. growing yep. a fuzzier band. They they all seem like maybe responses to cold. Mm-hmm. They kind of make sense. Well, and they, but they also occur before the winter occurs. So, um, yeah, you have, to, you have to figure that years ago, people had to observe. I mean, you didn't have radio and television, everybody else telling them what, what was the winter going to be like. So you had to observe what was going around. And I think that that's how all of these traditions came about. And so it does take, it takes the power of observation, but also paying attention to it year after year as well. Well, this has been great. Thanks for talking okay. to us about it, Peter. Hey, thank you so much. You know, we we should we should go out and test some of these. We should see if we can can find some signs of of winter. So we're gonna head out uh, into the the wilderness, into the forest. You'll know we're there when we start speaking in hushed tones. Maybe some animal sounds, hushed animal sounds. You know, it's hard to hard to convey. There's not a lot of sound that we're gonna get from caterpillars or acorns. Uh, maybe just to make clear. The scene, we should um, we should get our footsteps. Yeah. Okay. Not seeing not seeing a lot of caterpillars. I do see a spider. Where? Right down there. Okay, it's on the move. It hasn't it hasn't spun a web yet. You get the sense if it were with other insects, they'd they'd be in a line. Um. Actually, 
I think that, if you look at it, that spider is headed towards my house. Yeah. If he goes in my house, that means it's a long winter. How far away are you from where we are right now? Where's your house? Four miles. Oh, there's a bee. Anything about bees? Hey, Jillian, was there anything about bees that we learned? Um, seeing a bee is not good because a sign of a hard winter... Oh, it is good. A sign of a hard winter is a bee secluding within a hive early. So if we just saw the bee, that means it's going to be a good winter. What does it say about grasshoppers? There's a lot of grasshoppers here. Nothing about, nothing about grasshoppers, unless it's a cricket on a hearth. Sorry? If there's a cricket on a hearth, unusually early. I, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> a cricket? Like a little jumpy guy? That I get, yeah. 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 What's the next part? On a hearth. Like, a, like by a fireplace? That. A hearth. So if we can find a naturally occurring fireplace yeah. somewhere here in the wilderness with a cricket on it, yeah. that's a good sign. That's a bad sign. Oh, it's a bad sign. A okay. bad sign. Oh, look. What? It's yes. a caterpillar. Is that... I don't know if that's the caterpillar we're looking for. Wait. If it is, that if that's a woolly bear caterpillar, it's only the orange stripe. That's a... I think that means that it's going to be a horrible, horrible winter. Yeah, the orange stripe has extended to cover the whole body. Hang on, though. Quote, narrow orange band warns of heavy snow. It's going to be like summer or winter, according to this guy. However, fat and fuzzy caterpillars presage bitter cold. And he's a chubby guy. Lot of fuzz. Oh, I think I just saw his face. Oh, no. Or the, I think that was a spot. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we're going to tell you where blimps go at night. But first, uh, Ken, what can we help you with? Well, um, I had a question about bubblegum. Okay. Um, I met a friend um, at a get-together a few years ago. Had somebody over that they knew from northern Italy that was visiting. Yeah. And um, I just pulled out a pack of gum, you know, bubblegum flavor, pink package, and I uh, was getting a piece and offered it around. And uh, he just kind of looked at it, um, uh, not knowing what it was. And I just said, it's bubblegum. And he's like, okay, what does it taste like? <laughs> and I was completely stumped. And that just became like the, you know, almost like the party game. <laughs> you know, like try to describe what bubblegum tastes like. Yeah, yeah, it's just its own thing. Tastes like gum. Yeah, it's not uh, exactly minty. It's not fruity. It's kind of sweet. But um, yeah, if you encounter somebody that's never had it before, you know, we're at a loss. <laughs> so, uh, what what we can do for you is try and determine, try and articulate what that flavor is. Yeah, that would be great. You know, I think we've got somebody who can help Ken. Uh, Ken Chu is the Vice President of Research and Development, and he's a flavor chemist at Gold Coast Incorporated. Ken, can you uh, articulate what bubblegum flavor is? Oh, the bubblegum flavor, usually, that uh, basically is a strawberry, cherry, sometimes pineapple, plus the lemon, orange, and lime, uh, some root beer type of uh, note, and oh. then uh, cinnamon, and then clove. And that's what the bubblegum is all about. Wow. So if I were to take all of those fruits, the clove and cinnamon and uh, a dash of root beer and, you know, mash them up, mix it in a bowl 
and I took a spoonful of that, that would taste like bubble gum? Uh, yes. No. <laughs> well, of course, you know, all those organic chemicals, depending on the percentage of uh, each ingredient in the formula. So in your, in your work, will, will a client sort of bring you a flavor and say, we want something like this? Uh, you mean, uh, like, for example, they pick up something like, for example, just Pop-Tart. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, they they give us the Pop-Tart and then say that uh, I want exactly how that tastes. Okay. Okay, so we would uh, analyze it, taste it, uh, smell it, experience flavor cameras. It could easily uh, identify uh, 70 to 80% of the flavor profile in their products already. Wow. Are, are you ever surprised by um, how... Uh, a disgusting flavor can contribute to a delicious flavor? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I'm glad you asked this question. Um, one of the ripe milk. When you try to make a ripe uh, flavor, uh-huh. uh, especially fruit flavor, uh, you have to add uh, dimethyl sulfide in it. Okay. Dimethyl sulfide itself is can I just use the word uh, fart? <laughs> sure, you can. Okay, it smells like that. Ugh. So, so if I, um, if say when when we get off the phone here, if I get a ripe mango, and I'm thinking about this and concentrating it on it, and I take a bite of it, I w- I will be like, oh, there there is some fart in there. Yes, yes. Wow. So you being uh, so well trained, you can probably pick that out right away. Uh, yes, but then you could too. I don't want now, to. Now, now, now I tell you, and as a matter of fact, I created a flat, a fat flavor for my uh, <laughs> neighbor's grandkid and take it to school for show and tell. <laughs> oh my! He said, uh, "What is that flavor?" I said, uh, "Fat flavor." <laughs> he was jumping for joy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, I, he tried to open it. I said, no, don't open it. <laughs> and I said, you take it to school, you will have fun. So he did. And I understand that uh, for the last two months after he show and tell, he put that uh, fat flavor under his bureau, and nobody can take it away from him. <laughs> <laughs> he probably be a favorite camera so when he grow up. <laughs> well, Ken, this has been so much fun. Thanks for uh, talking to us about what you do. Oh, no problem, sir. Uh, I'm going to go on Amazon and order some dimethyl sulfide right now. <laughs> you, you could order it. Uh, if you like to, I can send you some. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're going to fast forward a little bit here. We've just received the package from Ken Chu containing the bottle of fart smell. It doesn't look like it's too delicately wrapped, but in that box is a fart. All right, uh, I'm going to open it up. You know, if you've ever wondered, is there anything more boring than a YouTube unboxing video? And there is. It's, uh, it's podcast unboxing audio. I don't smell... I don't... I don't smell anything yet. Okay, so wait, what's in there? So you open the box, you've gotten in. Okay, so you have packing peanuts, and then inside the packing peanuts it looks like... A, it's bubble wrapped. What's inside the bubble? Okay, there's a little brown bottle. It looks like like an old, you know, like an old 
apothecary would have. It's a brown glass bottle, and there's a label on it that says fart flavor. Oh my gosh. So let's let's cover the label with something, and then let's get our official taste tester, Peter Sagal, in the room, and let's have him open it up and smell it. Yeah. What are you doing in here? Oh, the other one's being used. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming in. Sure. Should I put on my headphones? If you want. Okay. So a uh, couple of minutes ago on the podcast, we were talking to this uh, flavor technician about uh, bubble gum. Sure. Uh, and what makes up that flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the course of that conversation, uh, he brought up another uh, flavor that he makes. And we asked him to send us a bottle. And we just wanted to... The other flavor. The other flavor. I know what you're thinking. You want to try and guess what it is, but don't. We haven't we haven't opened it yet. No. Right. So what we want to give you the honor of opening it and smelling it for the first time. Okay. You ready? Oh, more than you know. Okay. So this is... Just a little brown laboratory bottle. The yeah. label has been carefully blanked out. Yeah. Mm. So there's no clue here. And uh, while it is, this is a flavor technically in that bottle. Um, just we just want you to smell it. Don't don't, don't drink. Don't, don't drink it. J- don't. Ooh, very pungent. Very reminiscent of something. Wait a minute. It's not awful. Well, it's not. It doesn't make me want to gag. It smells like something. I know. Okay. I don't want to eat it. Is I'll it, say that. Well, can I maybe There's nothing about this that's making me hungry. As a as a production thing, because we we want to get a can you move close to the mic and do a really good sniff so right. we can get that smell, but get it close up, yeah. <laughs> ah. I, I have that weird feeling, you know, when there's like the, some word that you know you should know and you can't remember it. Like I can't remember the name of the guy who started in the Evil Dead movies. I was like, I know it. I've known yeah. it for years. It's Bruce Campbell. I, but I can't think of it right now. Is it a smell that you smell a lot? Do you think it, it, it is a fam, uh, it is a familiar smell? This is like I've oh I've smelt that before, but it's like not something I like. Okay, I, it's not a warm and happy feeling. It's a fart. That's fart smell. Fart in a bottle. No, really? Yeah. yeah. Here, give it another whiff. Uh, now I'm. You see, now I I've no want nothing to do with it. That is really smell it again. Okay. Thing. I'm, I'm now, I mean, I'm now a little nauseous. It's, yeah, you spent a, a lot of now, time. Yeah, I just, I'm just like, you, that's why you really, <laughs> your lungs are filled with that. This may be the very worst thing. Now that I think of it, now that I completely encapsulate what you've done to me, the very worst thing you've ever done to me, Peter. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Hey, Greg. What can we help you with? Yeah. So, um, so I have a question about blimp. Um, every time I see a blimp, I always wonder how it got there. I mean, obviously, it's, I understand it flies there, but like if you see a blimp, like I live in, in, in Madison, Wisconsin, and we'll see a blimp uh, you know, over the football stadium, and you, I always wonder where it came from. Are there blimps everywhere? Where do they go? I've never seen a blimp at an airport. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, you see planes on the ground all the time, but I've never, I've never seen a blimp on the ground. No. I mean, it's possible they come from space. They're on the space station. Yeah, it's not a. Let's not rule that out yet. Yeah. How how long have you been wondering about this? Oh, years. Uh, absolutely years. Well, and I travel for work, and uh, I always look for blimps at airports because you figure that an airport is probably where a blimp would go, and I've I've never seen a blimp at an airport. 
these are questions that I hadn't even thought to contemplate. <laughs> We're going to look into this, Greg. That'd be great. We should call a blimp pilot, someone who flies blimps. Uh, Derek Reed is online with us now. He flies the Goodyear blimp, probably the best blimp there is. Derek, are you flying a blimp right now? Uh, no, not currently. I just landed about uh, 30 minutes ago. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was a beautiful day out here in Akron, and uh, now we're doing some pilot training. So, Derek, you heard Greg's question. He doesn't really know where blimps come from, and we really we don't really know either. <laughs> well, um, a lot of a lot of the airships come from airports, and uh, you know it does stay there, but it only stays there really at night. Uh, once it's uh, in the air, uh, we we travel and we'll we'll take it. Uh, Anywhere from 12 to 14, 20 hours in the air. So wow. that ex- that explains why, you you know, you see planes on the ground, but you never never really see blimps there because they're only there at night. Yeah, they're only there at night. And then, um, you know, there's really only about uh, 12 blimps in the world. So, you know, though you may see them often, uh, it, it may not be as often as you may think because, I mean, there's only, you know, there's only so many places we can fly with 12 of them. Really? There's only 12 in the whole yeah, world? Yeah, there's only 12 in the world, and there's only 34 blimp pilots in the world. What? Wow. And you're, <laughs> one, of, you're one of those guys. I am one of the few, yeah. I feel very lucky to be where I'm at. It's so interesting because, you know, we, we, we've heard about like, how competitive it is to be a fighter pilot, you know, Top Gun and all that. But <laughs> there's far fewer of you guys than there are of, I, I guess, almost any other kind of pilot. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are the select, very, very select few. It's about 0.001% of the plot pilots have lighter-than-air airship licenses. We actually, we, we kind of brag a little bit, and we say that there are more astronauts than there are blimp pilots. Wow. So, so if Greg wants to see a, maybe a blimp on the ground, he should just go to the airport at night after he's spotted the blimp during the day. Yeah, that, w- that would be one of the best uh, times to do it. Um, you know, we do fly at night, but uh, the chances of seeing it at the airport, um, especially the specific airports that that airship is planning on landing at, are much higher uh, at night. And this may be a dumb question. Are they ever deflated? No. Um, once an airship is inflated, it stays inflated for the entire duration of its life, okay. um, especially the Goodyear blimps. So uh, we actually just decommissioned uh, the Spirit of Goodyear, which was based in Akron, Ohio, and we deflated it in uh, Florida in one of our hangars. And uh, that was the only time that it was ever de- deflated. And it actually holds a Guinness World Record of the longest operating airship in the world. How, how far, what distance can you travel in a blimp? Well, the book answer, without any winds, you can fly about 600 miles. Okay. Now, you have to take winds into consideration. We're a gigantic sail. So if you have a headwind, I've actually gotten to the point to where the airship is going backwards. <laughs> um, you know, it's pretty bad when people are walking past the airship. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's, there's always the moment at a, at a football game or, or whatever where the camera on the ground points up and shows us the Goodyear blimp. Do they tell you this is happening, and do you have to kind of turn the blimp toward the camera? 
Yeah, what happens generally is the director will let us know that, hey, we're about to do what we call a lookup. And a lookup is where uh, the camera zooms into the Goodyear blimp. Um, so the director will tell us that about five minutes beforehand, and they will tell us, hey, we want you to be pointing in this direction when, when we ask for it. And so it's really my job to make sure that we're in the correct position at the correct time. Wow. Do you ever blow it? Um, no, never. I'm, I'm not good. No, (laughs) no, uh, I don't, I don't particularly remember a time that I blew it, but I'm sure I have in the past. Yeah. What's the most surprising thing you've spotted on the ground from, from up there in the blimp? One of the, one of the funniest things I think I, I have ever seen was a bird flying into the Goodyear blimp. And it bounced right off, kind of like a trampoline. <laughs> wow. It was one of the funniest things I've, I've seen. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> well, this has been great. Thanks, Derek. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you, guys. We heard from Eric. Eric says he listens to How to Do Everything while drawing a comic for his son. Eric, these next 15 seconds are for you. You know, if you're if you're drawing a comic while you're listening to us, and if we happen to make our way into the comic, uh, I would like to have uh, actual man biceps. It's something that I've never had. Just, you know, it's, it's something between Popeye and Superman. I would like to be drawn where I, my, my bosoms are barely contained by my, my flimsy kind of chemise lace bustier. So for me, you're going to want to do, you know, there's a little artistic license. Uh, Mike wants something pretty exactly figurative. I'll send you a photo. That does it for this week's show. What we learned today, Mike? I I learned that if you want to know how bad the winter is going to be, you just go outside. You just take in the uh, natural world around you, and there you'll find signs. I feel like uh, watching local news would be a lot more fun if this is the if this is actually what the weathermen used if instead of some guy in front of a map it was just some guy in a suit just covered in bugs yeah caterpillars bees yeah. he's got crickets all over his yeah. fireplace just full, just full of welts and just saying i'm sorry according to this infestation it's going to be a horrible winter yeah this studio is crawling with spiders it's time to get a scarf how to Do Everything is produced by Jillian Donovan with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Kelsey Hardison, who is also made of cinnamon, clove, and root beer. Our artist-in-residence is Justin Witte. You can get us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, so we we just got off the phone with Derek uh, talking about blimps. And out in the hallway is Robert Plant. Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. I'm pretty sure that's a band about blimps. We are going to see if he has an answer for where blimps go at night. Wait, hold on. There he goes. We got to go. Okay, he's getting in the elevator. All right, I'm going to go in. Hi. Uh, okay, right. Nice. Yeah.
two minutes. Just dumb. It's pretty dumb. No, no sir. If it is dumb, no. Sorry. Dumb? I don't know. They're, they're from NPR. They want to ask you a couple of dumb questions. So, I don't know. It's you, you already look dumb. Tweedle dumb. We were doing a piece about blimps, and someone asked us a question about it. And we thought, oh my god, it's Robert Plant. Maybe we could ask you one question. I can't remember. Okay, if you if you couldn't make out what just happened, we're in the elevator with Robert Plant, Legend of Rock, and um, he he said we looked dumb. He that's he looked at us and said we looked dumb, and then he he looked me in the eye and said Tweedledum, and then I don't know if he looked me in the eye because I had my head down. This is the greatest moment of my life. I feel so dumb. <laughs> Thank you.